If investment risk is defined as the probability of permanent loss of your money, how likely is it for you to lose your money if you invest in Bitcoin, specifically in the newly approved Bitcoin ETFs? We all heard Warren Buffett rejecting Bitcoin as a good fundamental investment because it has no intrinsic value. It's still some of the largest asset managers in the world launched a Bitcoin ETF only a few days ago. Are they stupid? Don't they know the same things Warren Buffett knows? These asset managers must have studied Bitcoin and concluded that the probability of permanent loss of capital or risk of investing in Bitcoin is manageable. The good news is that they all must disclose all the risk they see in Bitcoin in the prospectus document accompanying each ETF. And let me tell you, the risk list is long and unbelievable. In today's episode, I review the ETF launch document of the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, and discuss the unbelievable risks this world-class asset management firm sees in Bitcoin. By the end, you can decide how risky investing in Bitcoin ETF really is, and I'll tell you what my plans are. Let's talk about that. I'm Hodamer, founder and CEO of Stockcard, a fintech startup from California that helps you do your fundamental stock market research better and faster. On this show, I discuss detailed fundamental analysis of stocks and ETFs like today's episode on Bitcoin ETF or share fascinating investing related tips and strategies like last week's episode on the real definition of risk to help you level up your investment skills. If you are new here, join us by subscribing. Before we jump into Bitcoin ETF risks, let's address the elephant in the room. Bitcoin has no intrinsic value. This is the biggest risk most Bitcoin critics, including Warren Buffett, have had since the beginning of Bitcoin's rise. Let's decipher that. By definition, intrinsic value measures an asset's worth differently from its market price. Traditionally, investors use cash flow to measure intrinsic value. In the case of Bitcoin, because there is no cash flow, investors conclude that the asset has no intrinsic value. We will discuss in a few minutes on the show that Bitcoin is not even a company or entity whose value you can assess. Investing in Bitcoin is not a part ownership in a company, real estate, or any other asset. Trying to assess the value of Bitcoin using cash flow is similar to asking to measure the weather and how hot or cold today is with a measuring tape. You can't use measuring tape to measure the weather. You can't use intrinsic value methodology to measure Bitcoin's value. If you accept that fundamentally, you and I can talk. However, if you cannot accept that Bitcoin can't be valued by cash flow, Bitcoin and Bitcoin ETF are a complete risk for you. You must skip them altogether. Now, let's say you agree that Bitcoin's intrinsic value isn't based on cash flow, and you have reasons to believe that you want to invest in Bitcoin or Bitcoin ETF. I will talk about possible reasons to invest in uh, Bitcoin beyond the intrinsic value methodology later in the show. But for now, let's discuss the value of Bitcoin ETF compared to investing directly in Bitcoin. 
as an individual, you can create a cryptocurrency wallet, go to a cryptocurrency exchange such as Coinbase or Robinhood and buy or sell Bitcoin directly from them. You can also hold your Bitcoin in that wallet or store it securely in what's known as a cold wallet, which is like a vault that keeps your coins secure. The process may feel a little bit complex. Wallet addresses are long and creating a wallet or sending coins between them is different from maybe sending money through the banking system. You need to remember how to access your wallet and things of that sort. It is not hard, but it's different. Suppose you are uncomfortable spending about an hour or so learning the process or worried you may lose access to your wallet altogether. In that case, the risk of losing your money invested in Bitcoin is lower when you invest in an ETF instead of directly buying it. As Jay Jacobs, BlackRock's US head of thematic and alternative ETFs explains, for many investors, holding Bitcoin directly is still challenging. That's why we, meaning BlackRock, launched IBIT, which is BlackRock's Bitcoin ETF. This works for institutional investors quite well. 401ks and pension funds don't have legal permissions or technical infrastructure to buy Bitcoin directly. For them, Bitcoin ETF is the only way to add it to their portfolio so it is less risky. For you as an individual, the legal barrier doesn't exist. Still, you may have a technical barrier like what we discussed a little bit earlier and don't feel comfortable with the direct purchase of Bitcoin. In that case, Bitcoin ETF has a lower risk for you, similar to institutional investors. Now let's go into more details and discuss the risks our good friends at BlackRock have identified for their own Bitcoin ETF, ticker IBIT. There are several pages of risks that I went through and I will summarize them in three primary groups. The first risk is volatility. Last week, I shared an episode on how volatility is not equal to risk and risk is your response to volatility. So if you sell when the prices are down because you can't tolerate seeing red in your portfolio, you turn volatility into risk. That's a good episode to watch or listen to after today's show, but it's no surprise to anyone that Bitcoin is a volatile asset. Bitcoin's price goes up and down quite rapidly. For example, in the middle of last October, Bitcoin was about $28,000 per coin. Three months later, in the middle of January 2024, the price nearly doubled to above $40,000. In November 2021, you could have bought Bitcoin for almost $70,000. And only three years ago in 2020, the coin was yours for about $4,000. Bitcoin is certainly a volatile asset, and if you know yourself and can't tolerate the extreme movements, then Bitcoin ETF is very risky for you. Indeed, since the launch of the ETF, it is already down 13% from the starting price of 27 and change. The next category of risk is operational risks. BlackRock brings up the fact that Bitcoin has been around only for 15 years or so and is run by volunteers. By all definitions, it is still a startup run by people who choose to work on it. If something goes wrong with the Bitcoin code, are we sure and have we seen enough operational history to conclude that the network stays secure? No one knows really. Bitcoin isn't a company. It doesn't have a CEO whose leadership quality you can assess in times of crisis. 
According to Gemini website, Bitcoin is not controlled by any single group or person. Instead, it is governed by multiple stakeholders, including developers, miners, and users. Developers write the code that makes Bitcoin run, miners validate transactions, and users put the software to work by trading, transacting, holding, and more. It is a self-governing, software-enabled 15-year-old experiment. If these networks of individuals and companies decide not to participate or developers who run the network lose the financial resources to maintain their operations, the system will fall apart. No central entity runs the operation that we can assess its quality. That's a risk. The so-called Bitcoin miners are individuals or companies with lots of computer processing power that record Bitcoin transactions. They do that recording work in exchange for Bitcoin as the reward. Let's say the price of Bitcoin goes so much down that it is not economically viable to record those transactions. If that happens, Bitcoin is not an entity that can go to the bank and get a loan and continuous operation. The integrity of the network falls apart if it is not economically viable to mine Bitcoins and record transactions. In all likelihood, there will always be a miner willing to temporarily accept losses so it can stay in business. After all, miners' financial livelihood depends on Bitcoin, but a major disruption to the entire Bitcoin network is not difficult to assume. It hasn't happened yet because Bitcoin hasn't been around long enough, and that's an operational risk. This leads to the last group of risks, ownership. How does Bitcoin software enhance and improve, and who runs the future product roadmap? Bitcoin has a loose network of what's known as core developers. You can find them on GitHub, a platform for storing and managing software code. These core developers may get corrupted, may not agree on direction, or undermine each other's work in extreme cases, or a whole myriad of human fallacies and pitiful behavior may take over the core developers' community. I don't know any of them personally, but history has shown humans are prone to mistakes, and core developers of Bitcoin are now exemptions in my point of view. So far, it has worked because everyone's monetary incentive is aligned to make the network work at some point, it may not. Of course, consensus and voting mechanisms are coded into Bitcoin software, but most of us are not technical enough to evaluate the quality of the software. All we know is that it has worked for 15 years or so. But there is uncertainty risk for non-technical folks like you and me. It's also widely believed that a small number of individuals own the majority of Bitcoin. These are wallets or a set of wallets that have owned and held a big portion of the coin. We don't know who they are, what they're up to, nothing. If things go wrong, these owners are incentivized to pay off enough core developers to act on their behalf. After all, late Charlie Munger used to say, if you want to understand what people do, look into their incentives. Most Bitcoin owners will act in their own best interest, especially if something goes wrong. There are more risks in the BlackRock's IBIT ETF document, but those three categories cover them well enough. So I'm even scared of Bitcoin by this point. However, in full disclosure, I own some Bitcoin. Why? 
Well, evaluating risk without assessing the reward is meaningless. Bitcoin is a promise and a potential chance for the world to store its wealth and transact outside the banking system of one country or another. It's nation independent. If it gains adoption by large enough number of people and entities, it is new, unique, exciting, and influential. It reduces the world's dependence on a central monetary system. ARK Invest and Cathie Wood's team, one of the institutions that launched Bitcoin ETF along with BlackRock, have a paper on estimating the value of Bitcoin in case those monetary system dreams come to reality. I leave a link to it in the show notes. And its summary is that value of Bitcoin can reach up to $1 million. All the stars have to be aligned to reach that valuation and Bitcoin and its network and developers have to survive through all those operational ownership and volatility risks we discussed. But for me, the future reward is so big that if I miss it and in 20 years from now, I realize I had the chance to participate in this investment and I didn't, I cannot forgive myself. That's why I own a small amount of Bitcoin and I add to it slowly only to minimize the future regret of not participating in this revolution. If you are like me and can accept the risk of 100% capital loss with more than 90% probability and maybe a 10% chance of being part of a new software enabled monetary system, then you should invest in Bitcoin or Bitcoin ETF. If you don't like chasing improbable dreams and will not regret missing out on this chance in 20 years, you must let it go and stay away from Bitcoin and ETF as far as possible. I'll see you next time.